thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Hey, man, that was awesome. I've been running around like crazy this morning, forgetting my iPad in the back, leaving it in the car, going everywhere. So if you see me running around, I'm not spying on you or seeing um, what you're doing, but I'm just running around. So I apologize about that, but I'm so glad that you are here this morning with us. This has been one of the most anticipated series that we've ever done. Can we give Jared a big hand for doing our announcements? He, is, he, is, um, he keeps us cool. I'll just say that. He keeps us cool. Without Jarrett, I'm not as cool. And so thank you for making me more cool or, or less cool because you're more cool. You know what I'm saying. Man, this, this series has been anticipated um, of our series that we've been doing. Um, it's a powerful s- series. Make history, period. Make history, period. I mean, that, that, that is daunting. To say the least, um, if you've seen our logo, our graphic, it's um, with an astronaut going to the moon. And you may be thinking, hey, I can barely leave my house. I've never left San Antonio. How am I supposed to get to the moon? Well, the point is not to get you to the moon. But the point of this series in our heart is for you to, to get you to move to where God has called you to. The things that God has put in you, the, the things that he's asking you to do, that we would take timid, bold steps. Yes, oxymoron. Timid, bold steps. These steps that, that, that are slow and timid, and yet they're bold because you're taking them. That's our hope for you at the end of this series is that you're taking steps towards what God has already put in you and spoken to you. And there's are many things that are coming against that. If you have our app, we are trying to make this as interactive as possible so that you don't fall asleep uh, at the 930 service this morning. But if you want to, you can go to the app store, download our app, Luminous Church. We'd love for you to do that. It's interactive. There's a section on there that has notes. There's also a section on there that says group and group curriculum. So um, before you step into an unknown life group, at least you can be prepared for what they'll talk about that night, which will be very helpful so that you don't get called out of the blue to speak, but you have no idea what you're saying. So that's why we're trying to equip you to do this on the app. There's a note section. There's a poll on there. There's a poll. We've, we've been doing these different polls, these different interactions. And so one of the big things we said last week is, what do you fear? What do you fear? And it was surprising, the response. And in fact, we're going to address some of that response this morning. I'm thankful for how God set that up, not because of your reaction, but because it was already planned in our text. So I'm thankful for that. So um, a lot of your responses were, I fear failure, or I fear what people think about me, or I fear financial security. Um, you may identify with some of these. You can um, pull up past notes, maybe. I'm not sure if you can. But if you can, you can um, answer that. But this is the big poll question, is who do you relate to most in our intro video? In our intro video, and it may surprise you because you may not recognize everybody up in that intro video. But we want you to just comment on that, and we'll pull those poll results and see what, see what you have to say about that. Now, if you don't have access to an app, then you can write it on a connection card, and we will get that too, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, so fun, so fun. That video, I'm going to be using different people from that video and illustrations in the weeks to come and how they made history. And excited about that. But this morning, we have a ton of text to get through. 
uh, a ton of scripture, and um, I'm hoping that we make it through here on time because it's my hope that we would end this morning with a powerful worship song that we could all engage God in before we go engage the world. And so that's what I'm hoping for this morning. There's this point on here, flesh versus soul. Flesh versus soul, this is, this is the reality that we're in. This is the constant battle that we're in. If you're here this morning, you are probably um, God's knocking on your heart. Or maybe he knocked on somebody's heart and they drug you here. I'm not sure. But you're here this morning because somebody's heart was knocked. And God is moving. And yet, and yet in our moving, in our, in our movement towards Jesus, there's this, there's this counterweight that's pulling us back the other way in such a way. And it's our flesh. 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as alien strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Anything that your flesh yearns for, longs for. For me, it's been oftentimes cookies and donuts and um, other sugary substances that I so long for that, it, that my flesh is just constantly drawn to that stuff. But um, here Peter's urging us to stay away from those fleshly lusts and, and let... Your soul win the war. I was in community group this past week, and I'm going to be vulnerable for you in front of you for just a second. As I try to be oftentimes because I don't want to be a man sitting on a pedestal. I want to be a man who is relatable to you, who could encourage you in life, not just on Sunday morning from the pulpit, but across from the coffee table at Starbucks or wherever it may be. And that I would also have an ear to you for you to speak into my life. I think is so very important. But what I was wrestling with this past week in community group is I believe God for so many things. I believe God can, can do incredible things. I believe that he speaks through his word. He speaks through circumstance. He speaks through prayer. He audibly speaks. There's so many ways that God speaks. I believe that. Um, I believe that God heals. Um, I, I read about that. I, I read Jesus healing people. I, I read that third of his ministry was deliverance and third of his ministry was healing people. And I read about him healing people. And so somebody came into our group and their shoulder was sore and it was popping and it was just popping like this. And, uh, and I told him from the beginning, hey man, this is going to be a group where we do life together and we're going to pray for each other and believe that God heals, right? And, uh, and I say one thing and yet internally I'm like, well, will God really heal? Is he really going to do that? I mean, how many people have I prayed for and they not gotten healed? And yet at the end of group, another member of our group laid hands on this woman and her shoulder was completely healed. And it was popping like this. And then they prayed for it. Yeah, awesome. That's right. That's awesome. God's awesome. He's awesome. And then she was going like this and it just quit popping after the prayer. And she was, I mean, she was working that thing. She was like, you know, doing, <laughs> doing whatever, you know, it was crazy. And I, I just sit there and I'm like, man, God heals. And yet my flesh says oftentimes that he does not or he won't for me. And so my soul and my flesh, they wrestle. And you may be in the same place. Your soul and your flesh may be wrestling with certain things that, that God is calling you to do in your life. Whether it's step out and pray for somebody to be healed. Whether it's to even be able to get a word from Jesus in that moment of your life as you open the Bible. Will God really speak to me today? And so that's what we're, that's what we're addressing, this battle, this battle. If we're, if we're going to go anywhere and we're going to make history, we have to be intentional. 
There's an intentionality on our part that, that we have to do. I love what Winston Churchill says. You may respect him. He says this, history will be kind to me for I intend to write it. History is going to happen. It's going to happen. Time will go by and you will get older and you will die. Now, I know there's the old school people that you're still believing for the rapture. Hallelujah. I'll believe with you. But more than likely, you're going to die. You're going to die and history is, is going to happen. Time's going to go by and this life is fleeting. But Winston Churchill is saying, I'm not going to let time go by, but I'm going to be intentional with the time. In every moment, there's going to be intentionality. In our text, we'll be in Exodus chapter 2 through 4, which I said is a lot of scripture. So you may see me jump text, skip, skip text. Um, it's just to bring what I think God is saying to us through this this morning. There's two things, right? There's, so there's, there's man's might and God's might. There's man's might and God's might. There's, there's a way that man does things and there's a way that God does things. And, and we find in our text that Moses, and you may remember Moses, any of y'all seen the Prince of Egypt? Yes, um, somewhat accurate, somewhat inaccurate. So anyway, go back and read the scripture yourself. But in this text, we have Moses, and Moses, you know, gets thrown into the Nile and um, gets raised by, by the Egyptians and becomes one of Pharaoh's stepsons or adopted sons. I'm not sure how it works back then. And as a result, he's very educated, and there's this moment in him. That we read about in chapter 2, verse 11. There's this moment in him where he knows that he's a Hebrew and, and the Hebrew people were being beaten and enslaved. And he, there was something in him that rose up. And I think something rises up in us every time we see situations like this. Situations where people are abused and afflicted. Situations where maybe things aren't right in society. Have you ever looked at the world and you said, there's something not right about that? Oftentimes we call it a moral code. And so, so, so we find Moses with this morality issue, this ethical issue of this man being beaten and it was one of his people, and he became enraged. And let's read it in Exodus 2, 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on the burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. I mean, that's, that's, it takes a long time to bury a man in the sand. Have you ever buried somebody on the beach? I mean, that dude was there for a while trying to cover up what he just did. I think it's funny because oftentimes when we act out of flesh, we're spending a lot of time covering up what we just did. It happens a lot. And this says, by my hand, my plan. You're taking, you're taking justice by your hand and your plan, and you're making it happen. And we do this oftentimes. I call it bullying wars. Bullying wars. It's, it's, most oftentimes it's my fault, but my wife and I, we will, we will fight, believe it or not. Yes, we will fight. And it's not a fist fight. Only occasionally will she hit me. But we will fight, and there will be hurtful words. And when there's hurtful words or, or hurtful actions, then um, what happens is the start of a bullying war, where if you hurt me, then I'm going to hurt you. And we see this, and, and that's what Moses was taking on. He was saying, hey, this Hebrew's being bullied, so I'm going to bully this Egyptian. 
And that resulted to death. And I think we oftentimes do this in life. We see these injustices. Hey, wait, that was not right how you talked to me. So I'm not going to talk to you the rest of the day. How do you like that? It never works. It never works. And I want to let you know that God is the one who vindicates. Romans 12, 19 says this. And God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. So you have Moses, he, he's, he, justice rises up, he sees an injustice, like my wife who hurts me, there's an injustice, but I think that in order to reconcile that injustice, I must bully her back, but in actuality, in actuality it's going to be reconciliation that does that, it's going to be this act of forgiveness, it's going to be this act of, of God moving in his power, and really me doing not very much, but submitting to God's plan. And you have Moses who's very just. And here we find another moment where Moses learned, okay, maybe I shouldn't kill people. And so he's, he's getting this in his head as he's driven from Egypt because they tried to kill him. And in Exodus 2.16, we find another account of Moses as he's wrestling with who God's created him to be and what to, what to do with this injustice and this justice aspect in his soul. Now, the priests of Midian had seven daughters. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of women. It's a lot of weddings. And they came and drew water and filled the trough to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. Another moment where Moses rises up and he says, there's an injustice. So I'm going to rise up and I'm going to stand up. Fannie Hamer says this. To the Democrat National Congress. She was just fed up. And I love this quote. She says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. A woman who was beaten and abused and bruised because she was standing up for justice. She just says, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. A quote that went around the world on all the headlines. And a quote that we always say today. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. But that's really what Moses was. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of seeing injustice. I'm sick and tired of seeing things happen like this. And what I love about God is God is no, he, he, he shows no partiality, right? I love that God loves women just as much as he loves men. I love that. This is a side note for you, but I think you need to hear that this morning, is that, that women are not second-class citizens, that women can be politicians, they can be leaders, they can be doctors, they can be lawyers, they can be moms, and they can be teachers. Women can do anything. And they're not second-class citizens, and Moses recognized that. He recognized that these women are being driven from the well because some shepherd men come up. But Moses says, no, I'm going to stand up for the injustice. And I think we need more Moseses. More Moses is standing up for the women. And I hope that we'll always be a church that, that values women, that we would be equal partnership with what God has called us to do. I really hope that. God, yes, let's clap. Somebody wants to clap, and it's probably a woman. So can some men help that woman clap? I think it's just important. I'm sitting, this is totally side note, but I think it's important. I was sitting with my friend the other day, and his wife is a lawyer. 
They come from Houston, and in Houston, she's widely recognized. But in San Antonio, she comes, and it's a men-dominated culture in the law field here in San Antonio. And women are treated as second-class citizens. I believe that God's called us to bring the gospel in every form. And I'm not taking a political agenda. I'm taking a, a godly agenda in this. I believe that God wants to elevate both women and men, that they're both of value to God. Let's not overlook that. God loves justice. If you didn't know this by now, I mean, I've been preaching about it for the last 10 minutes. He loves justice. Micah 6.8 says this. He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. God wants us to do justice. To do justice. But we see Moses doing justice maybe the wrong way. And then we see it corrected, and maybe it's the right way. But it even gets more right as we move on. Exodus 2, 23, 24, 400 years has passed. The Egyptians have been, or the, uh, the Jews have been in slavery for 400 years, enslaved by the Egyptians. And they reach this point where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And they finally cry out to their God. We see this in verse 23, 24. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, verse 24. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. They reached a point. They reached a point, and if you're going to make history in your life, you're going to make history in your family tree. You're going to make history in the workplace. There has to be this place of recognition. I can't do this without God. And we have to cry out for help. And every time you cry out for help, God doesn't have deaf ears. God doesn't make deaf ears. It's not his intention. He doesn't have deaf ears, and he will not turn away from your cry. He hears it. So there's God's plan, my hand. Everybody say, God's plan, my hand. A divine partnership. That's what God has intended for us at Luminous Church. There's a divine partnership between God moving and us moving with him. He doesn't want to move without you. That's why he created you. And he wants to move with you. There's a divine partnership. We read in verse 3, this, or chapter 3, where God calls Moses. This is powerful. We'll start in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the pre priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. I love that Moses is talking to himself. <laughs> it's just fascinating. You see me, if you're around me anytime, I'm always talking to myself. And yet this man was timid to speak. It's so crazy. 
verse 4. When the Lord saw, he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses. Moses. You hear God like that? Maybe you hear like, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. If only we had three more messages in this series. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. In verse 6, he hides his face. In chapter 33, when he's been walking with God, he sees God face to face. I think that's no different than our Christian life, right? When we first come to know Jesus, you think Jesus is going to smite you for every cuss word that comes out of your mouth, right? Ah, God, said the F word again. You know, and you're hiding from God. But The longer you walk with God and the more you see that he's going to fulfill his promises, the more you trust him and the more that you see that he was always with you, then you start seeing God face to face. And then intimacy happens. That I long for for your life. Because I long for it for my life. And I don't want anything for my life that I don't want for your life. I'll just let you know that right now. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Verse 8, and I have come down to deliver them out of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, flowing with milk and honey. So God calls you. But next we see God sends you. Everybody say, God sends you. Verse 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, if we can read this, we can read this passage about Moses and all of us want to be like Moses. Or we can read Gideon and all of us want to be Gideon. And we can read, we can read all these things and like, man, I'm David. But you're not Moses. Everybody say, I'm not Moses. Thank God you're not Moses. You're not Moses. Israel is not being delivered by your hand. You are not taking them out of the promised land. But there are some principles that we take out of here. And so as we take the principles out and apply them to our life, it's very good. So we know God calls you, right? How many of you have been called by God? How many of you have been called by God? Let me rephrase that because that gets a little weird. Calling, what does that mean? How many of you did Jesus show up and change your life and said, walk with me? Right? That's what that means. And God sends you. There's a principle here. When we were planting Luminous Church, I was at an amazing church, mid-cities. It's amazing. 2,400 people. God's doing amazing things. It's just incredible. I loved every minute of it. But as my wife and I felt called to come to San Antonio, Texas, there was one prayer that I prayed. God, I want to go blessed. I want to go blessed. And what did I mean by that? I want to be sent. I want them to recognize this calling, to affirm this calling, and for them to say, we're sending you, Ben. We're going to bless you. And there's this principle because I believe that when you're sent, you're blessed. But if you leave before you're sent, and don't get too mystical about that because it may be you just got a pink slip and you're sent somewhere else, right? Sometimes it's circumstantial. But if you aren't sent by God's hand, Man, how do you expect the blessing to flow? But if you are sent, there's going to be blessing. And I tell you, my wife and I, we've been blessed. We waited two years to be sent. Two years to come to San Antonio. Two years it burned in our heart. Two years waiting. 
And if you know me, I'm so impulsive on everything else. But I just waited. And we held that in our house, in our room, praying over it. And then when we were released to tell people, we told people. And I thank God that he sent some more people with us, right? Because this would be hard without them. And I thank God because I believe that if you're here this morning, I think because you were sent here. I think it was because you were sent here. Maybe Jesus showed up, maybe he knocked, or maybe you saw a Facebook ad. But however you got here, I believe that God has a purpose for you here this morning. And even if it's this morning, I pray that you walk away with something, something that God wants to speak to you. You know, as we're being sent, there's so many fears, and so here's where the fears come in. Fear of failure. Oh, God, if you're going to send me to San Antonio, what if, what if the church doesn't work out? Don't want to tell anybody we're going. Fear of rejection. God, if I tell my coworker about Jesus, will they be my friend anymore? We love our neighbors. I won't throw them under the bus because they may come. You don't know which one, but they're out there somewhere. And we, we keep inviting them places and invite them over for a birthday party, but they know we're the weird Christians now. I wanted to be the cool Christian, like totally relevant, right, and use their lingo and, you know, throw some signs. But didn't work because now they avoid us. And uh, we pull up, and they're immediately in there. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> you can run, but you can't hide. I know where you live. Fear rejection, fear man, fear man. And Moses had all these fears. Let's address these. Let's address these. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Excuse number one, who am I? Who am I? I love God's answer to this. I love it. God's, God's funny. Verse 12. It says, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He doesn't even tell him who he is. He just says, I'm with you doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. I'm with you. If I would tell you who you are, bro, you'd be puffed up and you wouldn't go anywhere. I'm not going to tell you, but you're going to discover it. And years later, on a mountain, when you're up there meeting with me and I'm talking to you, you're going to remember and you're going to find out who you are. The longer you walk with Jesus, the more you'll find out who you are. Verse 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. I will win this war for you, Ben. Don't worry. Don't fight it. I'll fight it for you. Verse 1 of chapter 4, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Excuse number two, there's no proof. There's no proof. Who am I? I'm with you. Okay, God. But there's no proof. 
Right? How many of you say that? I have no proof to tell them. But God equips them. God will equip you. God equips you to move when you are afraid. Verse 2 through 9. Crazy, crazy how he equips him. The Lord said to him, what is this? What is that in your hand? He said, a staff. He says, throw the staff on the ground. It'll become a snake. Now pull it back up. It becomes a staff. That's pretty cool. We've seen that. And if they don't believe this, stick your hand in your cloak. And when you stick it out, it'll be like a leper hand. And it'll be covered with leprosy. And then you stick it back in there. Boom, it's back to normal, right? I mean, that's the same as me saying if I stuck my hand in here, I pull it out, and it's Terminator, right? And then I put it back in there, and then I pull it out, and it's flesh. That would be awesome. I'd just be doing that for fun, man. Be on my bed late at night. Sick. Sick. They don't believe that. Then they're idiots. But if they don't believe that, go get some water from the Nile. And when you dump it on the ground, it'll be crimson red. It will turn to blood. They're powerful. I know there's some great metaphors and analogies to those. We won't go there. What are you equipped with? What are you equipped with? Don't go home and try the leper hand. You can if you want. Just don't tell anybody you did that. Especially your neighbor. First, he's equipped you with your story. No one can argue with your experience. No one can argue with your experience. It was your experience. It's your story. Jesus met me, changed my life. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Second, he's equipped you with power. He's equipped you with power. He's equipped you with authority. And I believe that if you stick around here long enough, you're going to know the kind of power God has equipped you with. Power to overcome sin. Power to overcome struggles. Power and authority. Speaking of situations that you otherwise wouldn't have words. Excuse number three. I have no talent, God. I have no talent. I tell God all this all the time. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't clap on beats. I hate the small groups when they're saying, show us your most interesting talent. And I try to wink, but both eyes close. It's just pathetic. I have no talent, and I can relate to Moses. I'm just, I have no talent. There's no special thing about me. Have you ever told God that? There's nothing special about me? And this is vital because in verse 10, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who made your mouth? I did. I made that mouth. Who makes it mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Maybe the Lord does make you deaf sometimes. Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach, but you shall speak. And he was like, oh, Lord, please, someone else. And as the worship team comes up, I'd love to close out this morning. Lord, someone else. God's going to help you. You cry out for help. He's going to help you. I'm so thankful for a church that where I'm weak, they're strong. 
Because God has given us all a measure and giftings and talents. I'm thankful that Aaron stepped up and that he stepped up to be the voice of Moses. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that, that David can sing and I can't. And you're probably thankful for that too. I'm thankful that when God calls you and he sends you, that he's going to equip you with everything you need. And where you lack, there will be other people there to help you out. But check this out. Moses wasn't remembered for his lack of speech. He wasn't remembered for his stuttering. In Acts chapter 7, we have Stephen being accused and a martyr as a martyr. He's about to be stoned. And in 722, Stephen remembers Moses. It says, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was mighty in his words and deeds. Isn't that powerful? You know, sometimes you're going to go and you don't feel equipped. You don't feel talented. And you have people around you. But you're gonna, not going to be remembered with what you don't have. You're going to be remembered for what you do have and what God has given you. What I think is most powerful about this whole thing is that you and I are not Moses. And I thank God for that. And I thank God that, that Moses was Moses, but the more perfect Moses came. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus was called as we cried out for help from the wilderness, and in my sin and in my depravity and in my separation from God, I need you, God. And Jesus was sent to a people, you and me, and he was equipped in every way as the perfect lamb who never sinned. And he was equipped with power. And he was equipped with more talent than I ever had. And he was equipped to fulfill the mission that God had for him to pay for your sins and my sins upon the cross. And more than that, he was equipped with power. And even after the cross, and even after death, death could not hold him, but power brought him up. You see, Jesus is who we're looking for. And there's some great principles that I want you to take this week because I believe that you're going to make history in your life. But you're going to make it because of Jesus and what he has done because he's already won. Would you stand with me this morning? And if you're here this morning and you're at a place where, man, Ben, that's great. I feel called. I feel sense. I feel all this stuff, but I'm feeling ill-equipped. And maybe some of you feel that way because many of you responded last week in your fear. Fear of, fear of failure, fear of man. Fear of financial security. Fear of so many things. I want to pray for you this morning. And then I'm going to pray that we sing to the Jesus who's already won. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes as I pray for you. And would you receive this, however you receive, whether it's a posture in your mind or a posture physically. Father God, we love you this morning and we praise you, God. Jesus, I thank you for Moses. I thank you for Moses for saving a people. I thank you for Moses being obedient. God, I thank you for Moses going and taking the people. But Jesus, I thank you that Moses did that 
so that Jesus would come. And Jesus, I thank you that you are the perfect Moses and that you're the perfect us. And God, without us, we're nothing. And without us, there's so many things. Without you, there's so many things to fear. Without you, God, I'm afraid. Without you, God, I, I would be transparent. I'm afraid and I'm insecure. But with you, God, I'm courageous. With you, God, we will make history for our family, for our friends, for our co-workers. Jesus, come. Give us a life that you called us to. We love you this morning. Let us praise God this morning.